Remain standing. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Luke. 
The book of Luke, chapter 22. Hasn't this been wonderful this morning? Thank you for being here. Thank you for participating in the worship. And uh, one thing that Brother Paul told me, he said, I don't want to sing at the people. I want them to participate. And y'all were definitely doing that. Thank you for getting involved. Man, what a great service it's been so far. Uh, the Lord is in this place. And I tell you, if you have been missing things around promised land, every time we meet, the Lord has been meeting with us. And I am so thankful for His presence. Wednesday night, uh, we had a long service, and then you just can't, you couldn't make anybody go home. And uh, man, that's good. Amen. Normally people running out the doors trying to get to the house. But it's good when you want to stick around and fellowship. And it gets so good you just don't want to leave it. God's been good to us. Just get under that spout. Just get under it. Let him feed you. Let him fill you. God's been good to us. Luke chapter 22 and verse 39. When he came out, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou will be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The day he drank our cup, folks. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were drops of great blood falling down to the ground. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on the surrendered life. I told you last week that we were going to get off the, the series of service. But we're going to do one last sermon. We have talked about how to serve. We have talked about how to find out where we need to serve. We talked about the where and the how and the what. We talked about how God can equip us, how God can see us through. We have talked about all the details of service. If you don't know by now how to serve God, you wouldn't listen is all I can tell you. If you don't know where you need to serve, you either wasn't listening or you just don't want to talk to God about it. Everything that we need to know how to serve God, I feel like we've covered over the last three weeks. There is a part of that service that God blesses tremendously. That He shows us what to do and how to do. He gives us what we need to do it. But there is one part of this that we have not talked about. And it is that part in which we finally have enough of the world. We finally have enough of our own thoughts and our own wisdom. And we say yes to the Lord. We've talked about how to serve Him, where to serve Him, what time to serve Him. But folks, there comes a day and time that we must realize the only way that that's going to be accomplished in our life it's for us to have enough of the world, have enough of our own agenda, and doing as our Savior did here in Scripture, 
coming to the point and place in his life that it was no longer about him. It was no longer about his thoughts or his abilities or powers. And folks, we're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about the one that could have carried that cross 10,000 times around this world. We're talking about the Lord and Savior that could have rained angels down from heaven. I want you to know that fire could have came down that day that he was on Calvary. I want you to know that Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus could have stopped it. Jesus could have conquered the Romans that day for Israel. But that's not what he did. He obeyed the will of the Father. And may I tell you, the thing that is standing between us and the will of the Lord is a life of surrenderance. For us, humbling ourselves to the point and the place that we come to ourselves and say, you know what, I've had enough of this. This is what I'm going to do. That's what Joshua did. Amen? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We need to make a call, an acknowledgement, a surrenderance to the will of God in our life. I want you to notice how Jesus surrendered himself to the will of the Lord. Won't you notice verse 40? And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed. The only way that Jesus lived this surrendered life is number one, Jesus had separated himself in order to listen to his Father. Every time that it came time for Jesus to do something major, he got away from everybody. He got away from the crowd. He got away from the disciples. He got away from everybody and would go and have his closet time with the Father. I want you to know that if you're going to surrender your life, you must be able and be willing to separate yourself in order to listen to the Father. When y'all called me, and I've told this story before, but when y'all called me, I was mad and I was upset and I was angry. And I said, I don't know what I needed to do, but folks, I knew exactly what I needed to do to be able to get to the place to listen to God. And I told my wife, I said, I'm leaving. And I said, I know in order to get the answer, I'm going to have to get my heart right. My heart was not right. And it is amazing to me when I separated myself, I went to our fishing camp and got away. I raked leaves. I told that story one time. Somebody said, if you ever struggle with uh, the will of the Lord anymore, come to the house and I have plenty of leaves. You can rake there. But I got away. I separated myself in order to listen to the will of the Father. Child of God, if you're going to surrender yourself, you must be willing to separate yourself. You must be willing to separate yourself from the world. You must be willing to separate yourself from the normal. You must be willing to separate yourself from all the naysayers. Separate yourself and get one-on-one -on -one with the Father. Notice what he said in verse 2. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus was selfless when it came to obedience. Nevertheless, not my will. Folks, you know what's standing between us and a surrendered life? Our will. Our will. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will. The man that could have brought angels down, the man that could have stopped it all, said, Father, it's not what I think. It's not what I want. It's not what I think about. 
God, it's not about me. Folks, that's selfless. We're talking about the King of glory. We're talking about the great I Am. We're talking about the one that could have came on the white horse to begin with. We're talking about the one that became poor for our sakes. Folks, I want you to understand this wasn't a normal servant. This was the Son of the living God. And He came and lived a selfless life. May I tell you, if we're going to live a surrendered life, we must be selfless. We must be selfless. Notice what He said, but thine be done. Jesus sacrificed in order to fulfill the will of God. We must separate, we must be selfless, and we must sacrifice. If I'm going to be surrendered, I may have to lose on some things. My, the things that I like, my hobbies, my thoughts, my ways may have to be hindered so that God's ways can be exalted in my life. Folks, we've talked three weeks about doing God's will. We've talked three weeks about where we need to serve. The only way we're going to get there is we're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to sacrifice our time. We're going to have to sacrifice our talents. We're going to have to sacrifice our tithes in order for the will of God to be fulfilled in our life. May I tell you, God don't want some of you. He wants all of you. God don't want part of you. He wants all of you. And I'm so glad when Jesus gave to me, He didn't give a part of Him or a quarter of Him or a third of Him. He gave every bit of Himself. And He sacrificed Himself. May I ask you, child of God, what are you sacrificing in the kingdom of God? But notice what He said in verse 43. He said, Preacher, you talk about this as it's so easy. But notice what He said in verse 43. See, if it was tough for Jesus, then it can be tough for us. And there's no doubt that Jesus was struggling, but notice what He said, and there appeared an angel unto Him from heaven, strengthening Him. When it came to surrendering His life to the will of God, Jesus, the Son of God, needed help. And God sent His angels to come down and to minister to Him. To give him the strength and the courage and the boldness. It's scary surrendering your life to him. It's scary giving it all to him. It's scary committing yourself to that class. It's scary committing yourself to those commitments. It's scary committing yourself to Awana. It's scary committing yourself and putting yourself out there. But folks, if Jesus needed help, we do too. And may I tell you that there's enough power and there's enough strength from above that can help us. I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 23. And as we turn there, I want to ask a man to come up here. And I want him to share his testimony. And when he gets done, I want to look at two thoughts. And we're going to have an invitation. Living the surrendered life. I don't want to get back in with God. Get it up there. Can you hear me, brother? Uh, I know y'all wondering why Brother Josh would quit a perfectly good sermon and call a guy like me up here. Well, I tell you, I had the same thought. And maybe it's for the very reason... I'm going to start at the beginning where I come from. 
uh, I imagine I cut my teeth. I didn't grow up in a place like this, like most of y'all did. I imagine I cut my teeth on a pallet in the corner of a juke joint. Because my mama played in a band with her brothers. And uh, I think y'all probably thinking, well, that was a bad mama. But y'all, she probably made 20 bucks that night playing in that band with her brothers. And uh, back then, I think cotton was a penny a pound when you picked it, so that's a ton of cotton that she had to pick to make that 20 bucks. And she made it one Saturday night. But that was six pair of blue jeans for three boys, probably a couple of uh, enough uh, material to make a couple of dresses for two daughters. The other boy, the Air Force, was feeding him. But that's where I started. Well, my daddy died when, we was, when I was 11. We moved to Dermot. Well, we moved in beside a lady. Her name was Meverine Long. She was married to Charles Long. Charles Long died, I don't know, sometime during that first year. And uh, she met a guy. His name was Jody Ganaway. All this happened in a year or two. And uh, we moved in next door. We was right next door to this Baptist preacher. Well, he, he, my other two brothers, he, he got them boys saved pretty good, but not me. No, no. Well, me and my friends, I can't remember the day, and it aggravates me to no end, but I couldn't remember the day. But it was in the springtime, because me and my buddies were play, getting ready to play for a FFA banquet for the school. One of the better places that we played, by the way. And uh, Temple Baptist Church was having a uh, revival and they called a preacher from South Louisiana y'all he was every third word he'd have to think English because he'd want to come out French that's how far down he was but uh, I was there the day that he told my brother-in-law he was sitting on a stool in my brother-in-law's house and my, my niece just had a little rabbit hopping around there and he told my brother-in-law he said buddy you just as lost as that rabbit that's how much nerve that guy had see Jody tried and he tried and he tried the, you know how the Holy Spirit was he's working on working on me too but Jody wouldn't give up so he found a way to get me saved I was I couldn't even be saved in church y'all I was saved in my mama's house on the back porch I had to be different I couldn't be like everybody else I got out on my knees in front of that Frenchman and I bowed my head and I asked God to save my soul. And he did save my soul. Brother Josh said I had five minutes. It's a, it's a, that ain't very long to put 70 years of sin in. Five minutes ain't very long. But anyway, I'm going to tell you that's the beginning. I was saved and I was baptized in a pond up at Wolf Creek Camp. Uh, right beside, right after my brother-in-law, he was he was baptized the same day. There was I don't know where was a herd of us was baptized that day. They didn't, we didn't have a good clean water like we do here. But anyway, and you know what? God kept me saved. And the Lord sometimes as bad as I tried not to be, He kept me saved all these years. And I'm gonna give you the end. And about 12 years ago, almost. We'll be.
the 29th day of October. God sent us a little package. And she was not healthy. And I got out on my knees. And I begged my Savior to save her. And if he would, I'd do my best to live for him. And y'all, I think my friend Jimmy Steele can verify that I do try hard. I don't always do good. I ain't saying I'm a sinless person. I'm a long ways from it, but I try hard. The Lord is my witness. I try hard. And y'all pray for me because I need all the help I can get. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Proverbs 23. It makes it sound easy. Say, how do I do it? I know what I need to do. I just can't do it. Verse 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. God wants two things. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. If you give him your life before you give him your heart, you're doing wrong. You're laboring in vain. He wants your heart. He wants the devotions of your heart. He wants the affections of your heart. He wants everything that you have in your heart. If you're going to live a surrendered life, you must give him your heart. You must love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Jesus Christ must be the preeminence of all things of your heart. He must be the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning. When it comes to what do I do, he must be the first thought in your mind. What does God want? What does God want? Folks, if he's going to get your life, he's going to have to have your heart. But may I tell you, giving your life won't get you to heaven. Giving all you've got and all the physical things will not get you to glory land. If you're going to be saved, you must give Him your heart. You must give Him every trust, every ounce of faith that you have, you must put in the resurrected Savior. You must put all you got. I don't trust in a Democrat or a Republican. I don't trust in a political party. This economy is haywire. I don't know what our future looks like as a country, but I know what mine looks like as a born-again child of God because my faith and every ounce of my faith and trust and substance is in the person of Jesus Christ. And he don't want a little bit of your heart. He wants all of it. He don't want a portion of it. He wants it all. He wants it all. And when we give him the affections and the devotion of our hearts, that moment is when we will embrace his thoughts and his wisdom and his will in our life. The second thing he said is, let thine eyes observe my ways. That word observe means to follow. He said, put your eyes on my ways so you can follow them. But that Hebrew word also means to keep. He's not only asking for your heart, but he's asking for your life. He's asking for your life. This morning I called Cathead and I said, Brother, I just have a burden for you to stand up and share your testimony. He said, Lord, have mercy, you lost your mind. But he said, yes, sir, I will. 
Every time I ask him anything, yes, sir, I sure will. He said, I don't want to stand up there, but Jesus stood up there for me. So I won't stand up there for him. Folks, when I was 13 years old, I gave him my heart. And Miss V, August 17th, 2004, I gave him my life. And I surrendered myself. I hadn't always been perfect, and I hadn't always been right. But he's always been there. And I sold out right then and there. I never regret the day that I gave him my heart. And I never regretted the day that I gave him my life. Folks, what is it going to take? If you're already saved, would you give him your life? Would you dedicate to what he has put on your heart? I know it's scary. It was scary for Jesus. But I believe if God can minister to a son, he can minister to you. And he'll send his angels and he'll send a son and he'll send that sweet Holy Spirit to come and to hold us and to nurture us. August 17, 2004, I fell on my face in the front yard of my mom and dad, a 20-year-old boy that had been living for himself, saved, born again. I was going to heaven when I died. But I was so selfish. Wasn't willing to sacrifice and wasn't willing to separate. And I fell on my face. And I said, God, if you'll pick me up from this place, if you pick me up from this place and never let me come back, I'll follow you. Now listen, before you get to willing dealing with God, you better be careful. Cathead, we better be careful for we will and deal with the Lord. But this self-righteous sucker was miserable. And I thought if I just went after what I thought looked good and felt good and tasted good, would be good. But it was rotten. It was filthy. And I was starving to death. And I fell on my face. And I said, Lord, I don't have a lot to offer. But here I am. Folks, he took me. He took me. And if he would take me, he'll take you.